0: Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow! What a big time defensive play! No holds barred. I paid the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five.
1: Well, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, which means pretty much the entire world shuts down. But Fizz 5 is still going strong. I'm Francesco Simona, joined by Liam Griffin this week. And Liam, yet not a whole lot going on, right? Men's basketball is on a hiatus, but plenty of news coming out of Syracuse Athletics.
0: Yeah, particularly on the football side of things. We're not not even going to talk about Dwight Freeney being a Hall of Fame finalist. So still a lot to talk about if that's not one of the main focal points here on Fizz 5.
1: Well, let's start with football, and there's three guys coming back to this SU team in 2024, and that's topic number one. Number one. Aronde, Gadsden, Marlo Wax, and Justin Barrett, all three of them who could have very easily left, either tried to go to the NFL or try to tr- tr- trance somewhere else, are all going to be back for Syracuse football for the 2024 season. And, Liam, here's my question to you. Out of those three players, which one are you most excited about?
0: Oh, it's got to be a Ronde Gadsden. It, yeah. it has to be. And we saw in the days after Kyle McCord transferred into Syracuse, him and her OG were kind of hyping each other up a little bit, getting amped about what could be in 2024. And now, now it's official. And you bring a guy like Gadsden back, who you didn't have all of for pretty much all of this past year, with the exception of a lapper against Colgate and a singular play against Western Michigan – You bring a guy like him back. Oh, man, it takes your offense to a whole nother level because you had Allen emerge as a legitimate two-way player. I believe he led the team in receiving yards this year, Francesco. And you had Dan Valari emerge as a Payson Hill-esque, can-do-it-all type player. I don't really want to see him throwing the football at all in 2024 unless (laughs) some crazy injury bug hits. But how can you not be excited about it, Francesco?
1: No, I mean, that's exactly the point, right? How can you not be ecstatic about Aranda Gadsden? Because if you think about, you know, leading into this 2023 season, what was the entire talk about the offense? It was, all right, they're going to go as far as Aronde Gadsden can take him. Everybody pretty much knew that this receiving core was Aronde Gadsden and then just a bunch of guys, right? Whether it's Damian Alford, whether it's Umari Hatcher, whether it's Donovan Brown, none of those guys are going to scare any type of defense, right? So having Aranda Gadsden, was the key to the entire operation. It was the key to making sure Garrett Schrader could be a successful quarterback. And like you mentioned, Liam, you have him for a game against Colgate that you win by 60. You have him for a play against Western Michigan. And then after that, he does not see the field again. And you still, you, know, you go six and six without him, right? Well, I guess five and six without him if you take out the Colgate game. But still, the fact that the offense was still semi functional without him, I think is surprising. I thought if they lost Gadsden, they would have bottomed out this year. They didn't. But I think with him, Liam, it's a completely different team.
0: And I also want to bring it whole scale for a minute here, because even though Fran Brown is the new head coach, Mm -hmm. part of me still wants to see the aspect of the family unity culture Dino Babers cultivated when he was head coach. I want to see that carry over. Now, I'm not going to miss bad clock management and recruiting ineptitude, but
1: so you want you want the Ohana to stick around.
0: I do want the Ohana to stick around. That element I want to stick around and I feel like three players embody no three players embody that better than Gadsden, Wax and Baron, especially if you want to focus in on Wax and Baron, Francesco.
1: Yeah, well on the defensive side, right? You talk about, you know, really good college players. That's what Marlowe Wax and Justin Barron are. And then also quintessential leaders. There are guys who, you know, will say something when it's necessary, whether it's on the sideline or in the locker room. There are two guys who, you know, in post-press conferences more often than not, they're at the day answering answer questions about how the defense played, good or bad, right? So they are, you know, quintessential leader types, and both of them coming back for a fifth year, I think is going to make a big difference.
0: You, it's hard to not be excited, Francesco. I know I said it earlier, but especially when you look at this Weak schedule that is currently forming. I know he is currently searching for a fourth non-conference foe, but no Clemson, no Florida State. Your three non-conference games right now are against Ohio, UConn, and Holy Cross. Both, By the way, Bob Chesney coming to the Dome after being a potential head coaching candidate. No P left. I'm silly. But the schedule isn't terribly difficult. I think your toughest games are probably Miami at home and Virginia Tech at home. Even still, those don't have the same bright factor that they would have 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, you got you to gotta go to NC State, right? You still got to play Georgia Tech, a couple of teams who are solid. But no, you're right. I mean, it's a, it's interesting, right? Because you think this is a thing that happens in pro sports where, all right, you, maybe you've got in the NFL, you got a veteran quarterback who's on his last legs or in the NBA, you've got this great player who's a little bit older, this great group of players who are a little bit older, like the Golden State Warriors, right? And a front office will say, okay, We're going to go all in on this year. We want to get this group of players one more chance at a postseason run because after that, we know that either they're going to decline or they might retire or whatever the case may be. In college sports now, similar things are happening when it comes to a schedule. You see it in the SEC with Ole Miss next year too. Because Syracuse knows its schedule is so weak, it can almost decide, okay, we are going to go all in on 2024. We're gonna go get Kyle McCord who's only got one year of eligibility. He's basically a rental, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can focus on that one year. You can tell your donors, okay, listen, I know, you know, over a five year period of time, you're gonna give us this amount of money. Let's move that up to the year, right? Forget about 25 and beyond. We want to win twenty twenty four because we think we have a chance to win nine, maybe ten games next season because of how we schedule is. It. It's really yep. it's a it's a it's a dynamic that's new in college football. But if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense,
0: yeah, it absolutely does. Francesco, especially in this ever evolving time of collegiate athletics while so with the transfer portal, Nil, donor money, like you mentioned, you don't really you didn't really have those opportunities to go, fully all in on a season like you did, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, but now because of how the landscape has shifted, everything is almost rewritten essentially because Mm -hmm. it's just, there is no guarantee for 2025 or 2026 or beyond. Well, with the uncertainty of it all. No, I mean,
1: that's exactly the point, right? You could have a star freshman coming next year. You think he's awesome. And then in 2025, he's planned for Alabama, right? So it's, It's such a year to year thing. The way college sports are is, you know, everybody's got a four year contract, but there's an opt out after every year. So you can just leave whenever you like, whenever you like to, which means that as a program, it's hard to think of a long term solution when there's so much turnover every single year. And I think good for Syracuse finally getting with the times. They're noticing that and they're realizing, okay let's go get a Kyle McCord. Let's go all in for twenty twenty four while also still not forgetting about the recruiting, right? They brought in some a couple of four-star recruits, which is not something Syracuse usually does. So kind of maybe trying to thread the needle between the two strategies, but I think still focusing on that, all right, 2024 is our year to really make a statement.
0: College athletics is all about adapting Francesco, and I. Dino Babers had struggles with that, whether it be yeah. transfer portal NIL. Now, Fran Brown retaining this trio of players, Wax, Baron, and Gazden. In addition to all of his other on-field successes, if if the Fran Brown era wasn't already off to a great start, uh, Francesco, I don't know when it will be.
1: Well, maybe it could get a little bit better with topic number two. Could Deuce Chestnut coming back to the queues? Number two. All right, listen, I know it sounds dumb, right? Deuce Chestnut leaves Syracuse this time last year, transfers to LSU. Picks off Jordan Traps in game number one. And goes into witness protection for the rest of the season. Was off the team at some point this year, as John Wildhack pointed out in the press conference where he announced Dino Babers firing, which was an insane thing to do, which is neither here nor there. But there's just that officially enters the transfer portal. He's leaving LSU. Justin Barron wants him back if you look at yes,
0: X. Yeah, I, that's the point I
1: was going to make. Uh, Liam, I don't know. I... <laughs> Been there, done that. I'm good, <laughs> honestly. I don't need douche chestnut back. I'm not to
0: build up this. Uh, uh, the thing is that like Dino Babers alluded to this before the Florida State game. I believe his exact words were depth is gone, dot dot dot. Look at all these schools they're going to. These players are getting bought bought away. Look at jihad carter at Ohio State, is another example. Deuce chestnut at LSU. They can't, they're not in positions to succeed at those schools. They come to Syracuse because. They had a chance to be in star roles. And that's exactly what jihad Carter and Deuce Chestnut were Mm -hmm. at Syracuse. Carter was Carter was a ball hawk defensively. Chestnut was a solid coverage, man. You go to LSU, you pick off Jordan Travis. Awesome. Wow. What'd you do after that? You were chopped liver on the defensive side. So Mm -hmm. I I think he gets a bit of a bad rap for how for his play in Syracuse, because I don't think I certainly don't think it was otherworldly, but I also don't think it was. Anything worth crucifying him over, but I think the standard at LSU is feels similar to what the standard frame Brown is going to try and enact. Not saying it's going to happen, try and enact. And I, I just don't know if that's a good fit. Yeah, I. It's
1: tough with Deuce because, you know, I was actually it was funny. I was talking to my buddy when I got back home about Jihad Carter. He's an Ohio State fan. And I said, oh, yeah, he was great at Syracuse, this and this. And then he goes, oh, yeah, he, he played at Ohio State on special teams. Not, not on defense, but on special teams, right? And, and that's how – that's what can happen to these guys when they go to these bigger schools. Now, you look back at Deuce's career at Syracuse. He was great as a freshman. As a sophomore, he got exposed a little bit, right? Yep. Especially when when Garrett Williams got hurt and Deuce became the number one guy. He got beat, right? Yep. Deuce, had- Great player. I don't think Deuce Chestnut's a great player as shown by the fact that he flamed out at LSU, right? Do I think he's a good player? Sure, right? Yeah. Could he I be a starting a corner? Could he be a starting corner on Syracuse's 2024 defense? Yeah, I think he probably would be. But he's not a he's not Garrett Williams, right? He's no. not a Tibelafonwell. He's not at the level of an Andre Cisco or a Trill Williams different positions. I understand that. But, you know, people thought that he would be the next in line of that great Syracuse DB convoy. He was never going to be that. I think this year proved it. I think the idea of him coming back is a pipe dream. And again, honestly, I, I don't need him back. I think it, I'm good.
0: I I would think I'm good too, Francesco, because like the, those guys you mentioned, Williams, Cisco, Melifonwu, people thought he was going to be in that category. And I'm not saying this was... A common thought, but there were some whispers about, oh, Syracuse University, DBU, uh, no. Yeah. And we, Francesco, we've seen it in the recruiting ranks as well, players decommitting from Syracuse because of uncertainty about the new head coach, not necessarily meeting his standards. So when you look at some of the guys that Fran Brown has brought in, Kyle McCord, King Joseph Edwards, are a few that come to mind, KJ Bolden, a five-star safety, committed to Florida State, but still took an official visit a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Is Deuce Chestnut in that class? Does he have a chance to be mentioned in the same breath as those guys? And if that's the standard Fran Brown is trying to set, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I
1: I think he – I don't think we're at the point where, like, Deuce Chestnut did good enough to play at Syracuse. I I don't think that's the point. I I think it's more so that, you know – You're trying to move on from the Dino Babers era. You're trying to forget about all that stuff. And bringing back Deuce Chestnut, a guy like that, who just all he would do for 12 games next season, hopefully 13, right, would serve as a reminder of the era that was past. I don't think Fran Brown wants that. I don't think any Syracuse fan wants that, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't want that either.
1: Well, we'll see if Deuce Chest, that makes his way back to the queues. I'd be pretty the, surprised, once but the I suppose. Anything, once, once yes, the Francisco,
0: wouldn't it be something if he did not saying it's going to happen? Oh, my but God. I think Are the you so, kidding? I think the social media reaction would be hysterical.
1: Oh, it would be hysterical in a positive and a funny way. I mean, I I, I honestly I don't know if fans would be happy about it. I, I think it would be a very mixed reaction.
0: But I, I think I think it's similar to Joe Girard, right? You had sure. fans that were like begging, please come back. And then you have fans who are like, get him out of here. But at the end of the day, I think it's a similar situation. Deuce Chestnut would not fit with Syracuse football next year. In the same way, I don't think Joe Girard fits with this SU men's hoops team.
1: I think, you know what? I like that comparison. That's a pretty good one out of you, Liam. So that's topic number two. Deuce Chestnut on his way back to Syracuse. Probably not, but hey, it's a fun topic to talk about. And you know what else is fun to talk about? Syracuse men's basketball. Is this team good? Well, that's topic number three. Number three. All right, I promise we have a little bit more specific of a topic that is this team good? Because that's a a very loaded question that we don't have time for. (laughs) Liam, you and I, instead of talking about you know whether this team's good and determining the, the fate of the entire universe here, we're gonna determine who the most important or what the most important games are left on Syracuse men's basketball schedule. So you said that we each have to pick three games. Now, yeah. they've got 19 left, so picking three is a little bit tough. I'm going to see if you figure this out first.
0: All right, so let me. I'll explain to you my philosophy in picking these games before I okay. get into them. How I see these games is not necessarily who the best opponents are. I see them as if Syracuse wins this game, that is an excellent NCAA tournament resume booster. I left out Duke on the road and Carolina on the road because, let's face it, odds are you're not going to go into – Cameron Indoor or the Dean Dome and win. Those. And those
1: are, those are also too obvious, right? Yeah. If you beat yeah. Duke and Carolina on the road, if you beat both of them on the road, yeah, you'd probably go to the NCAA tournament.
0: If, right? you, if you beat one of them on the road, I think you're in really good shape. Exactly. So, so the first game I have circled is on January 16th in, at the Peterson Events center, sure. going up against the Pittsburgh Panthers on the road, even though the orange and Panthers meet at the dome in just two days, that's going to be a big game in itself. Cause both teams only one in ACC play and need a bit of a statement win per se. I think if you go into the Peterson Event Center, it'll be the first game back for the Oakland Zoo, which is one of the most raucous student mm-hmm. sections in the entire country, let alone in the ACC. Getting a win there in a venue you've struggled in recently, the Orange have lost three straight since we were since the time we started college. Francesco, SC mm-hmm. was one and five against Pitt.
1: Yeah,
0: I certainly didn't see that coming. You don't really no. think of Pitt as an ACC blue blood.
1: And Pitt's, Liam Pitt, with the exception of last year, has been bad for almost a decade.
0: Yeah. But you said it. They've been bad with the exception of last year. Panthers made the round of 32 this year. Bit of a new look team. Blake Kinson's still their leading scorer, but guys like Ishmael Leggett, Carlton Carrington, Jalen Lowe, the Diaz Grant brothers, and Federico Federico. Wonderful name, by the way. You go, fantastic name. You go out to Western Pennsylvania and steal a win there, even though Pitt is not a world beater per se it's still a very good-looking win.
1: Okay, now can I give you my number one game then?
0: Uh, oh, I didn't do it one through three. I okay, didn't... I'll just
1: give you a game then. How about yeah, this? Give I'll give a you game. a game. All right. I'm looking at, Liam, a game that you and I have a lot of interest in. Saturday, the 10th day of February, the Clemson Tigers and JoJo
0: mm-hmm.
1: are into in the their way into the JMA wire dome. That building's going to be up for grabs, in my opinion. Having Joe Girard back in the building, it's a Saturday with students on campus. I think that is going to be an electric atmosphere inside. The the sat- the Saturday before against the Super Bowl
0: the-
1: too. Saturday before the Super Bowl against the Clemson team that currently is the number eighteen team in the country. They were good last year. They're good again this year. And again, you got Joe Girard on that team, right? So people are going to be fired up about that. Interesting to see what kind of a reception he gets. Um, but it's that type of game. Borderline top twenty five team inside your own building. If you're an NCAA tournament team, you win that game
0: absolutely. Fair?
1: So think, to me, I think to so. me that might be that might be the biggest game. Again, Duke and Carolina, notwithstanding, that might be the biggest game Syracuse has left all year.
0: Wow, wow, Clemson at home on February tenth. All my the next game I had written down, Francesco, is actually the game right after that, you got Carolina at home. Because sure. chances are, we, we said it a minute ago, you're probably not going to beat Carolina on the road. But, Francesco, no. I know you remember the game against the Tar Heels at home last year all too well. I do. I you do. Had a You had a courtside view of old friend Gerard throwing the ball to Pete Nance. That was a team that came into the season as the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. Didn't pan out that way, but still, you had them on the ropes late and you choke a game and that, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration, Francesco, to say that that was Syracuse's worst loss of last season. And this year's Carolina team is actually good. Top 10 mm. team in the country, and it has built itself so well among how college basketball teams are built today through a combination of both the transfer portal and recruiting and keeping your own talent. R.J. Davis is their leading scorer. He's homegrown. Armando Bacot, obviously homegrown. Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram, two forwards from the transfer portal. Mm. Elliot Cadeau, former five-star point guard, one-time Syracuse recruit as well.
1: Yeah. No,
0: 100%. If you get a win in that game and Clemson, suffice it to say, you're sitting pretty.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, 100%, Liam. That's a good Carolina team, like you said. And the, the thing that I really noticed about the Carolina game at home last year, my God, Liam, those Carolina fans are everywhere. I mean, they travel. It, it didn't feel like a Carolina home game, but it was 30% Carolina fans in that building. I mean, walking through, you're just walking around the dome, walking through the visitor's tunnel last year. You had Carolina fans, you know, some kids, some 40-year-old men just hanging off the side looking for high fives from Armando Baker, right? It is a rowdy fan base, and they're going to travel. So that's going to be probably the best atmosphere in the dome all season long. I a Carolina so. game.
0: Tuesday night, exactly. Tuesday night
1: before Valentine's yeah. Day, go to so. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, February 13th, you're right. So that's a good one, Liam. I am going to go with – oh, what am I going to go with here? Okay, here we go. How about the University of Miami Hurricanes coming mm-hmm. to the Dome on January the 20th? Now, Miami's not what it was last year, made a deep run in the NCAA tournament, obviously. Not what it was at the beginning of the year when it was a you know, preseason top 15, top 10 team. But still a good Miami squad, right? They've still got some talent, guys like Norchad O'Meara, guys like Wuga Poplar, who's got maybe the best name in all of college basketball. That's a great name. A Miami team that Syracuse should have beaten on the road last year, Miami team that Syracuse has lost to in heartbreaking fashion a few times over the last couple of years. One that, you know, you're, you're trying to kind of get over the hump against them, right, against a team that was projected to finish above you in the ACC. If you beat them at home, you don't play them on the road. You know, maybe a chance to to try to jump somebody in the ACC table. I think Miami's a pretty big one as well.
0: Syracuse has lost three straight games to Miami, Francesco. All three of those losses, SUS held a double digit lead at some point yeah. in time in the second half. In the first as two games.
1: 15, 20 too, yeah.
0: What? As Sorry. many as
1: 15 or 22.
0: Yeah. SU held an 18 point lead against Miami on the road in January of 2022. On at home in the season finale of March of 2022. Then they were up by, what, 11, 12 in Coral Gables last year? That Miami team went to the Final Four, and you had them on the ropes in their own building. And you couldn't get it done. You get it done this year. Boy, does it look good. All right, my last game, kind of similar to the pick game, where it's a team of a relatively similar caliber that if you beat on the road, you're looking pretty good. February 20th on the road against NC State at the Mm. PNC Arena, home of the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes, in North Carolina. NC State, not quite what it was last year from an NCAA tournament perspective. I mean, when SU beat them, NC State was a top-20 team in the country, unless I'm mistaken, at minimum yeah. top-25. I know for a fact it was ranked.
1: That, was their, that was their ranked win last year. Yeah, That to. was
0: their only ranked win last year. And SU 5-0 against NC State oh, since we got to college, Francesco. Yeah. You go down to Raleigh, get a win against the Wolfpack team, features the likes of Draquavion Smith, DJ Burns, two very good players. You play them at home a few weeks earlier, Again, you kind of think, yeah, we probably should win this one. If you sweep NC State, you're looking really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that, Liam. Now, I'm going to go with a little bit of a cop-out, but I I do think this is a very, very important game, and if you, you compile a top five list of most important games, I think this is either two or three, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, I already said Clemson at home. I'm going Clemson on the road. Okay, uh, March 5th. In a, South that's Carolina. A,
0: that's the regular season finale.
1: And that's exactly why, Liam. It's the regular season finale. This Syracuse team might end up on the bubble. I don't think that's a certainty at this point. I think it's a possibility that they end up being a bubble NCAA tournament team. I would agree with that. And if that's what you are at the beginning of March, what better way than to bolster that resume right before ACC play than beating a potentially ACC top 25 tournament. ACC tournament play? Yeah, sorry. ACC tournament play. Then, what better way to bolster that NCAA resume than beating a potentially top twenty Clemson team inside their own building? That's a game that could replace an ACC tournament win. It's a game that if you win it, you go to the ACC tournament in Washington D.C. this year, which is relatively cool, I suppose. Um, I think so. you go into that ACC tournament saying, "I don't need to win two games. I can win one game, and I'm probably okay for the NCAA tournament." That's right. how big that Clemson game at the very end of the year could be. So that's on my list as well.
0: Not bad. So I think the overall perspective here is a lot of big games coming up in ACC play, and which which shouldn't exactly come as a surprise mm-hmm. considering it's what you build up for all season. But one, if the ball bounces one different way in any of these particular games, could make the difference between a tournament team and a team that doesn't even make the NIT for the third straight year.
1: So we've got Pittsburgh at on the road January sixteenth. Miami at home January twentieth. Then we've got Clemson at home February 10th. UNC on the 13th. Carolina at home on the 13th. At NC State on February 20th. And then Clemson on March 5th on the road.
0: Now you There's know the- what games you have to watch, Fizz Nation.
1: Now you know what games you gotta watch, what games you gotta go to, what games you gotta tune into. Orange Fizz for our coverage. I will have them, obviously, for all 19 ACC games, ACC tournament games, NCAA tournament games, maybe the NIT. We'll see what happens down the road for the Syracuse men's basketball team. All right. So we just talked about the most important games left for Syracuse basketball. Now let's talk about the Orange's next game. You ask Tom Brady, what's the most important game, Liam? The next one. There you go. And that next one for Syracuse basketball is the Pittsburgh Panthers at home on Saturday. That's topic number four. Number four. Oh, it's a rematch of the old Big East. Uh, Pittsburgh in the Dome. Yeah, this happens every year. All right, we get it. Um, <laughs> Syracuse and Pitt in the Dome on December 30th, the second game of ACC play. Uh, Liam. I was at the first one down in Charlottesville, Virginia, about a month. Did not go well for Syracuse. 84-62 loss of the hands of the Cavaliers, Tony Bennett's squad. Boy, they were good on that, day, and Syracuse was certainly not so the orange looking to get to one and one in the ACC Pitt also looking to get to one and one in the ACC. They lost to the Clemson a couple of weeks ago. They did. So, you know, you and I are calling this game, right? So, so yes, we, we can't, we can't give a prediction on it necessarily, but we know this pit team pretty well. Yeah. And to me, maybe not quite as good as it was last year, but a lot of really intriguing pieces. Liam. I mean,
0: yeah, you mentioned it not as good as quite as good as last year. And I think, the loss of Nellie Cummings is a big one. Colgate mm-hmm. transfer, who lit up Syracuse in the Dome two years ago now in that yep. first of two losses to Colgate, then did the exact same thing again a year later, came to the Dome as a member of the Pitt Panthers, lit the Orange up for six threes in an 84-82 loss. Then about two months later, Pitt drops 99 on SU at the Peterson Events Center. Mm-hmm. This Jeff Capel, people wanted him gone, Francesco after a oh, yeah. 20 seasons. Pittsburgh people oh, yeah. were like, Get this, get this schmuck out of here now! Nine and three, coming off of the Panthers' best season in uh, God knows how long, Francesco, and now
1: a decade, basically, yeah,
0: yeah. So this is a feels like a revamped program, even Francesco, and mm-hmm. you have the likes of uh, the guard play from this Panthers team is what really sticks out to me. Blake Kinson, Ishmael Leggett, Carlton Carrington, three leading scores. Carrington, one of just two players in the ACC. To average over five assists per game, along with UVA's Reese Beekman, unless I'm mistaken. That's yeah, you're exactly. right. Yep, that's exactly who it is. This is a pit team built off of guard play. So it makes an interesting matchup for Mr. Mintz, Mr. Mintz, Starling, and Copeland.
1: It certainly does. And what this pit team lacks, however, is a little bit of that big man play, right? Yep. So, yeah. Hinson... Hmm, I, I,
0: I wonder where we've seen that, Francesco. Yeah, I,
1: I'm getting to that, Liam. Exactly. So, Blake Hinson is kind of between six foot eight he's definitely not a traditional center right he's their best player but he's not necessarily post up he's more of a perimeter guy um down low eh, Federico Federico one of the best named college basketball right up there with Wuga Poplar out of Miami oh yeah uh he got benched a couple of weeks ago Guillermo Diaz-Graham one of the Diaz-Graham brothers from the Canary Islands which is Part of Spain, even though it's just off the coast of Morocco. Awesome story with him and Jorge, his twin brother. He's not exactly a force down low either. Has started the last couple of games in place of Federico. Size is an issue, Liam. And no. both Federico and Guillermo Diaz-Graham, yeah, they're about seven feet tall, but very thin, not big, strong centers so who are going to post you up down low. The issue is, though, like you mentioned briefly, Liam, Syracuse does not have that Jesse Edwards type where you give him the ball in the paint and he's going to go to work down there. Naheem McLeod can't really do that. And Malik Brown, as much as I love the guy, is only six foot eight.
0: Yep, yep. And I think this game, Francesco, is going to be won or lost. It's going to be won or lost on the perimeter, right? And you look at Syracuse's roster last year, Jesse Edwards, and trying to scroll through Pitt's athletic site to get the name of their big man last year. I believe it was...
1: Hughley, Hughley.
0: Oh, I, I was thinking of a Nikkei Sabandi, but oh, sure. he was a guard. But an, another big loss for them. And Greg Elliott gone as well. Jamarius Burton mm-hmm. also, also gone. This is a pit team that lost a lot, but it's starting mm-hmm. to adapt to college basketball like we were yeah. talking about with Fran Brown and SU football earlier. It's starting to adapt at the right time. This is a team built off transfers. Blake Kinson was once at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Iowa State. Now he's back. Nelly Cummings last year came from Colgate. Elliot mm-hmm. came from Marquette. Burton came from Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Sabandi last year came from Miami of Ohio, and even yep. even this year's pit team, Francesco, lot lot of guys like it. From Let,
1: from, uh, from Island, yeah, yeah.
0: We we love the Rams. We love the Rams here in the Ocean State.
1: I know. I know you
0: love the Rams, but Fred, I mean, this game is going to be won on the perimeter, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, 100%. Now, uh, Carlton Carrington, who is Pittsburgh's point guard, yep. he's a really good player. He is. He was a borderline top 100 recruit. He's a true freshman. The youngest player in the ACC doesn't turn 19 until May, I believe, maybe June. He is second in the ACC in assists, scoring about 15 points per game. But the thing that scouts love the most about it, NBA scouts, that is, he's a projected end of the first round, top of the second round type pick. He's six foot five. He's long. He's lanky. He's physical. He's a really, really good defender. Where else have we seen that type of body, right? Reese Beekman who kind of shut down two Yep. So that's to me, if I was a Syracuse fan, that would be my biggest concern is that matchup between Judah and Carrington, even though Carrington's a true freshman, he's a really, really good player.
0: Yeah. I think we haven't heard enough about Carlton Carrington among the no. best comes from a basketball family second yep. cousin of former San Antonio Spur, among others, Rudy Gay. Yep. Chose o- he had a very high-profile recruiting list. I mean, chose Pitt over the likes of Rutgers, LSU, Stanford, among mm. others, Francesco. Played football and baseball in high school. Went to the same high school as LSU women's star Angel Reese and former Kingsley Jonathan. So this guy is a stud, plain and simple. If if Cummings was the guy that really tormented SU last year, it could just as easily be Carrington on Saturday.
1: Yeah, not 100%. And, you know, you look at a guy like Blake Hinson, who's averaging about 20 points per game. He's one of the best players in the ACC, right? So you know he's going to get his offensively. It's yep. about can you control everybody else? Can you control Carrington? Can you control Leggett, the the two backcourt mates? You know, can you make sure that Pitt continues to get nothing out of its centers? That's the key here for me is, all right, Blake Hinton's going to score his 20-25 point and live with that. you got to make sure everybody else doesn't you know, have one of those big games. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should be a fun so one. The... It's going to be a fun game, Francesco.
1: Oh, I think so, too. I think this is going to be a really, really good game. I think a really entertaining game. And those are the Pittsburgh Panthers coming in 0-1 in the ACC. Syracuse also 0-1 in the ACC. Pitt and Syracuse inside the Dome at noon on Saturday. We'll have coverage for you. On X at Orange Fizz and also on our website theorangefizz.net. So that's topic number four. Let's move on to topic number five, which is certainly related, Liam. Two games coming up before a little bit of an extended break. Another one that is for Syracuse basketball. You got Pitt and then you got Duke coming up on Tuesday. What constitutes a two-game, a good two-game stretch for the Orange? That's topic number five. Number five. Maybe not. White, the best team Duke has ever had in its history. That's certainly the case, being the number 16 team in the country with a couple of losses already on its resume. But, Liam, it's still Duke, right? You're still going to Cameron Indoor. No Cameron Chris because it's the beginning of January. So, you know, students not in town. But still, you're going to play the Duke Duke Blue Devils in Durham.
0: It's not going to be an easy game to win. (laughs) No, not at all, Francesco. And this is still a talented Duke team, you know. Bringing back Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski, two All ACC freshman players last year, guys many thought could go to the draft, not necessarily being picked super high, kind of in a similar position to Judah Mintz, the way mm-hmm. I see it. So it, it's a very, very, very tough new team. It always is, and yeah, it, the the coaching difference didn't make a difference last year. Uh, John Shire mm-hmm. stomped all over Jim Beine, the same way Coach K has for years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I, I,
1: John Shire's a good coach, right? Unfortunately yeah. for a lot of educators around the country, it looks like they're going to be around for a while. Coach K leaving is not really going to affect that because John Shire has pretty much taken over where Krzyzewski left off and run with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Liam, I don't know how much more there is to say besides the fact that, like, yeah, did they lose to Georgia Tech? Sure, right? Did they lose to a really good Arizona team at home? They did. Did they lose to Arkansas? They did. I don't care, right? They still beat Baylor, who's a top 10 team in the country. Yep. This is still a Duke team that, you know, if, you, if they found themselves late in a March run this spring, nobody's going to be surprised by that.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. And everyone's going to be shaking in their boots if they're going up against Duke,
1: too. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you mentioned a couple of names. The biggest one for Duke, obviously, Kyle Flapowski, who's a former Syracuse recruit, right? A lot of people thought yep. like he would be coming to Syracuse then. You know, Mike Krzyzewski and Duke came calling, and all of a sudden, Filipowski wasn't coming to Syracuse anymore. One of the best players in the ACC, averaging almost a double-double, 18 points and nine rebounds. Jeremy Roach somehow is still there, who's probably in his 15th season of college basketball yeah. right now. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned March, Mark Mitchell, Jared McCain, Tyrese Proctor. A lot of really good players on this
0: yeah, Duke this team. Francisco, this Duke team is different from others because it feels like, for the first time in forever, they've retained almost everybody.
1: They have, yeah. No, Filipowski coming back was huge for them because you know he could have gone to the NBA draft, probably would have been a, a late first round pick. Decides to go back now; he's probably a lock for the lottery next season. Yep, him being there changes the entire landscape of not only Duke basketball but the entire
0: ACC. Yep, uh, I think he's the best player in the ACC, Francesco, with the exception. Uh, of, he certainly is. I think Baycott and Hall and with Clemson could give a bit of a run for their money, but I I think it's I think it's Filipowski.
1: I, I certainly agree. with Now, that.
0: now, now- to, to answer the question, Francesco, what yeah, constitutes let's back to the test? question?
1: What's what's a two game stretch?
0: Yeah, you beat Pitt. Team of a similar caliber, you're yeah. playing at home. No reason you can't beat them. Even though the student, even though the students will not be there. If the Wake Forest football game taught me anything, it's that Central New Yorkers will show up even when the students aren't there.
1: And then, I think they will show up. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good crowd.
0: And then with Duke on the road, I think. If it is a competitive game for 40 minutes then you have to be happy. I know that yeah. was the similar standard to what we set in Maui but for uh, I don't know, they certainly didn't meet it against Gonzaga Tennessee you could argue that I think they, they did. did but
1: I think they did you need to play a,
0: you need to play a full 40 minutes if it's competitive and you don't get run out of the gym unless it's a late run where Duke is just hitting all its free throws to make the game appear more lopsided than it actually was I'll be satisfied. But if you get embarrassed like you did in Charlottesville a few weeks ago, then you're not necessarily pressing the panic button, but you're certainly not happy.
1: Yeah, I think it starts with beating Pittsburgh, right? Like you said, similar caliber team. You've got them in your own building. It should be a game that you win. When you go to Duke, if you beat Duke, throw a party, right? That's awesome. I'm not expecting it. I don't think anybody should be expecting it. Um, But, yeah, is it a little bit of a cop-out to say, don't get blown out? It is. And <laughs> it's a standard that you want to kind of get rid of. You want to raise it for Syracuse basketball if you're Adrian Autry going forward. But where this team is at right now with how young they are and the level of talent that they have, when you go to Duke, when you go to Carolina, the goal is all right. Let's not get our doors blown off. Let's not let Charlottesville happen again where you lost by 22 to Virginia and it should have been more. They were down by 30 points in that game. Yep. That's not the standard you want to have, but right now that is the standard for Syracuse basketball. Yep, yep. And even, you know, honestly, even going to do and not getting blown out, to me compared to where this has been the last couple of years, that is raising the standard.
0: Yep. I mean, yeah, you look at the, with the exception of the, ACC tournament miracle in March of 2022, the game they played without Buddy Beheim, where Jimmy Beheim practically carried the team on his shoulders, and that that was mm-hmm. awesome for Jimmy Beheim. But that, that's a game he certainly didn't expect to win, and Duke eventually won as we all expected them to. But February of 2021 at Cameron Indoor, non-competitive loss. That would that would that at the time was a big game for both teams. Francesco. scale, January yeah. of 2022 at Cameron Indoor, twenty-point game. Was a lot more lopsided uh, was a lot more lopsided if you watched the game mm-hmm. February of 2022 a few weeks later another blowout loss where coach beheim said and I quote I'm proud that we battled back to get it to around 20. that yeah. that that's how bad it was against Duke that year and then and then last year Francesco I remember walking around campus that day feeling a palpable buzz I'm really like because it, w- it was a weaker Duke team than what we had seen in the past. SU was hot mm-hmm. off that win over NC State, who, a team that her bludgeoned Duke earlier in the year, and thinking the, the vibe was that things could change. And yeah. the more things changed, the more things stayed the same.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great way to put it, right? Um, if you beat Pittsburgh and you keep it close against Duke, I think you feel really good about, about Syracuse basketball as a fan. You feel like going into the ACC, you can get those, you know, 11, 12, 13 wins it's going to take to get yourself an NCAA tournament conversation. Yep. Yep. If you lose to Pitt and then get blown out by Duke, back to the drawing board, in my opinion. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Even if you lose so, to Pitt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. If, if you lose to Pitt and then lose in any
0: way to Duke, I think
1: you're probably back to the drawing board. Dude, you're o,
0: if, you lo- if you lose both these games, you're 0-3 in ACC play.
1: Yeah. Tough to come back from. Because, again... Yep you probably got to win 12 or 13 of these to really have a good shot at the NCAA tournament. So yep, let's, you know, if you're, Syracuse, you're thinking, get that one against Pittsburgh, you're Not you're probably not going to get that one against Duke, and then you can go from there against BC the week after, and then you, know, you play Carolina, but you got to go to Pittsburgh. So not an easy stretch to begin in no, play for series. No, not but at the all. The good news is, at least you can get these games out of the way. So once you get to the end of January, beginning of February and moving on, you've got the, you know, the middle, the bottom tier of the AC that you can hopefully beat up on.
0: Yep, you've got Louisville twice in the last month of the season, you've got Notre Dame. It really eases up.
1: Yep. 100%. So he's Liam Griffin. I'm Francesco Simone. This has been Fizz 5 here on this week between Christmas and New Year's. Liam, any parting thoughts for our, our friends listening?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Be loud, be proud, be orange. There you go. There you go.
1: Syracuse and Pittsburgh inside the dome. That's a noon tip on Saturday, if you're you know in the area, Liam Griffin and I will be on the call. We'd love for you to tune in. Thank you for tuning in to this Fizz 5 episode here on this week, once again, between Christmas and New Year's. Thank you so much for sticking with us throughout the holiday season. Hope you had a great holiday season, and we hope you keep following along with us in the new year, 2024. Certainly bring big things, hopefully for Syracuse Athletics, and also for us here at The Orange Fizz as well. Be sure to check out all our articles at orangefizz.net and our X at Orange Fizz for constant updates. We'll have coverage of that pit game coming up on Saturday. And once again, as as always, go Orange.
0: And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.